How was the first day of school? Was it good? All right, well, let's start just like class. Roll call freshmen, are you here? I'm not gonna lie, there's a lot of y'all and it's even slightly overwhelming for me on campus. I'm like, there are so many new faces. Well, I'm glad you're here, but there's a lot of y'all, all right? Sophomores, you here? All right, it's funny, it was like freshmen over here, sophomores over here. Now we, let's move on to the upperclassmen. Juniors, okay, a little bit less, but that's okay, still representing well. Now let's just throw seniors, fifth years, and uh, grad school, all in the same. Are you here? Seniors, I love it. I love it. I, I, I was reminded of what it was like to be a freshman as I was on campus today. I was, I was connecting with people. We're handing out shirts for freshmen that are new. And uh, I, I found myself asking the same age-old questions. You know what these questions are? Where are you from? Oh, where are you from? Right? And they say they're from California. And I'm like, that's great. And I look for something in common. I'm like, what part of California? They're like, San Diego. I'm like, what high school? And they're like, they say they're high school. I'm like, I have, I don't know why I asked that. I, I, that was a dumb question. But that's cool that you went to that high school, you know, go Stangs or whatever you were, right? So it's like, where are you from? And then it's, uh, what's your major, right? Like, what's your major? And they're like, pre-med. And I'm like, we're not going to be friends. Like, you're going to study. Like, you're, I'm never going to see you again. Like, you know these conversations. And then my favorite is what dorm, wh where do you live? And, and, and seniors, you remember this. Like everyone was asking these questions. Juniors remember, like we all remember these days where everyone was asking about the dorms. And what's funny is when I was at Baylor, I lived in Penland. Anyone in Penland? Whoa, ladies, chill, all right? There weren't ladies when I was there, all right? So it's weird for you to yell when I say Penland. But one of the funniest things about Baylor was that every time I would tell somebody, I'm like, they were like, where do you live? I was like, Penland. They'd be like, dirty third. And I was like, yes. Like, does everyone in the history of Penland live on the dirty third? Like, has anyone else noticed that? We don't ask about other floors. There's only one. Sexy second, not a thing, not real. All right. You remember these questions. And I, I remember my mom my mom is sweet Roberta. You'll hear me talk about her a lot. She's amazing. But sweet Roberta would call me and she would ask questions as well. Always the same questions. Like, just like we have kind of the rush questions. Where are you from? Where'd you go to school? We also had the mom questions. The most common being, are you making friends? And I'm like, yes, mom, totally. My roommate is stuck with me, right? Like that's kind of the way it was. Felt like everyone knew each other, but no one really knew each other yet. So freshman year, that, that weird, like, yeah, I'm making friends. And, and she'd always be like, so who drove you to the grocery store? I'm like, mom, why do you care who drove me to the grocery store? And she'd be like, well, tell, tell them thank you. And, and I'll tell their parents. I'll tell their parents. I'm like, mom, you don't know their parents. You don't even know this kid that took me to the grocery store. Mom, why are you calling me, right? And then, and then really, really my two least favorite questions. Did you go to class? I'm like, mom, no, I missed the first day of my freshman year of college. I was that kid. I didn't get it. Welcome week is a tease. And I, I fell into the trap. I thought welcome week was what all of college was going to be like. Tease. 
Welcome to school, y'all. And then my, my last, least favorite question, and as you come to Vertical Mondays at 9, you'll, come, you'll get to know me a little bit more, and there is, there is one thing that I despise. Does anyone know what it is? Laundry. She knew. My mom's like, how's the laundry? I'm like, I haven't done it yet. All right. My sheets, they haven't been done all semester. And honestly, I'm from Houston. Anyone from Houston here? Let's go. Here's the deal. What I would do is I would just pile up all my dirty laundry. And then whenever it was like full and I was out of boxers, I would just get a ride back to Houston. I'd be like, mom, I'm home. Like, let's catch up. And I'd just be like, please, can you do this? I hate this. I despised laundry. And I start with all these funny questions tonight that, that we hear. Seniors remember the questions. Juniors remember the questions. Sophomores, this is like round two of freshman year, right? Like freshmen, these are the questions we're asking. These are the, the questions our parents are asking. And what's crazy to me is nobody's asking the two most important questions. Like there's so much we talk about. Did you run the line? Did you do your laundry? Did you go to class? Have you been studying? Where are you from? All these things. And tonight, I just want to start the year with the two most important questions that you will answer this semester. And I would actually even challenge you to answer these questions by the end of this semester. Like you must answer these questions they change everything. They change who your friends are. They change where you invest your time and your major so that one day you can go off somewhere else to, to, to be a part of that major. I don't know what, what that is. Like these two questions, they change everything. Your friendships, your majors, where you spend your time. And those are the two questions we're gonna look at tonight. And so if you brought your Bibles then let's turn to Luke 9. If you, don't, if you didn't, don't worry about it. It's gonna be on the screen behind me. We're gonna be in verses 18 through 26. For those that like to take notes, that was for you. Hey, if your phone distracts you, let's just keep it in your pocket. Don't worry about following along. It'll be on the screen behind me. Here's the deal. The book of Luke is not the book for me. I'll just admit it. I'm more of a book of Mark guy. Why? It's like the spark notes of the Bible. Mark is like very quick and everything is immediately. It's like, and then immediately Jesus did this and then immediately, and I'm like, this is lit. Let's go, Mark. Like I can read the whole book very quickly. And, and then Luke is like super detailed. He's like my brother, all right? He was a physician. My brother's a physician. He's just meticulous. I'm like, dude, how are you so organized? I can hardly shower every day and don't even get me started on laundry, right? But Luke is this physician who's meticulous in his work, probably had bad handwriting, but he wrote really two books or one book that has two parts. It's Luke and Acts. And the book of Luke is really split up into two sections. The first half of Luke, in introduction. What we're used to, Jesus is explained, John the Baptist is explained, and then it talks about Jesus' ministry in Galilee. And so this is where we find ourselves at the end of Jesus' ministry in Galilee in Luke 9. This is actually kind of where the book takes a turn. Jesus kind of stops. And there's this really important moment where he starts to ask questions and he starts to talk about things right before they head for Jerusalem. 
You see, the rest of the book of Luke is the trip to Jerusalem and what happens in Jerusalem. And then the book of Acts is the early church post the resurrection of Jesus. And so we pick up here just after this ministry of Jesus, verse 18, Luke 9, verse 18. This is what it says. Now it happened that he was praying alone. Jesus was praying alone and the disciples were with him. And he asked the disciples, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah and others that one of the prophets of old has risen from the grave. And Jesus says to him, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, the Christ of God. You see, these guys have been following Jesus and just think about this. They've seen Jesus raise people from the dead at this point in the book of Luke. They've seen Jesus take a loaf of bread or a couple of loaves of bread and feed everyone here. Like they've seen Jesus calm a storm. And Jesus just stops to be like, hey, you've seen all this stuff. What are you hearing about me? Like, what are, what are the people saying? And the disciples say, you know, it's John the Baptist, the prophet has risen from the dead or something like that. Prophet from old. And I love this hard left turn. I picture this as a hard left turn of like, it's all fun and games. Like, what are people saying about me? And then he's like, but what do you say, right? You're like, oh, snap. I bet, I bet they like paused and were like, this is, this is important. He's asking what we think, not just like what the people think. And it brings us to the first most important question. Who is Jesus? Like, who do you say that he is? The same question that Jesus asked his disciples long ago, Mike, I'm asking you. You see, Peter's response is that Jesus is the Christ of God. And Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. And Messiah is a Hebrew word that meant like anointed one, holy one, the one that would be sent by God to save the world. I can just picture like Justin Bieber. I'm the one, yeah, I'm the one. Is that Bieber? Yeah, okay. Like I can just picture that. He's like, I'm the one. Peter's like, you're the one. You're the Christ. The one that's gonna come from God. The one that God would send. And we, we know these things from the Old Testament. What Peter is saying is like, you're the one that God's going to use to set captives free. You're going to be, you're, that, you're the guy that's going to come and you're going to bring healing to people that have been wounded. You're going to be the guy that's going to bring good news. You're the guy that created, created the world, I think. You're like the image of the invisible God. You, you're that, that one. they see who Jesus is. And I start with this really, really simple question. Trust me, I know. Who is Jesus? Because wise people before us have wisely said that what you think of God is the single most important thing about you. 
And I would follow it up with who you say Jesus is, is the most important thing about you. That's the first question I, who is Jesus? And I just want you to know, it's a, a coin. The other question is just the flip side of the same coin. But the first question is simply, who is Jesus? You see, the disciples believe that he is the Savior. He, the disciples believe that Jesus was going to be the one who was going to fix the world. He was going to right the wrongs. Who do you say Jesus is? Let's go on a rabbit trail real quick, just staying at the text. Verse 21, it says this. Jesus, in response, he's like, he strictly charges them and commands them to tell no one, saying the son of man, which is himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day raised. I want us to stop there. You see, Jesus is saying, who, who do you say that I am? And when they answer right, he's like, yes, this is what I need to do. This is the good news of the gospel. That God's son came down to this earth, lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. And he suffered, was rejected, was killed and raised on the third day. I say that because Jesus is a suffering servant. Not the worldly king that the disciples were hoping for. Doesn't that resonate though? Isn't it kind of funny that Jesus isn't always who we want him to be? Have you noticed that? Like if, if I was in charge, I kind of I wish Jesus wasn't the only way. But he is. Sometimes I, I kind of wish I didn't have to live according to his design. It feels sometimes like it's keeping me from having fun. That's not true. But that's what it feels like. And even the disciples, they wanted, a, they wanted power and leadership and kingship and to overthrow the government. wanted the government to save them. But Jesus wasn't that. Suffering servant. I want you to know this. Jesus isn't who we want him to be, but he is exactly who we need him to be. You must know this. Jesus isn't always who we want him to be, but he is exactly who we need him to be. I want, to I want to read from the book of Isaiah. It says this. Jesus, he grew up before him like a young, a long, a young plant. This isn't on the screen. Like a root out of dry ground. Here's, here's this. This is talking about Jesus. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. He had no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as one from whom men would hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Would we have hung out with Jesus? 
Like I have to think about that. I don't know if he would have helped my social status. People wanted to dodge him. He wasn't very good looking. Jesus isn't exactly who we want him to be, but he is exactly who we need him to be. Let's keep going in the text. Before we get to the text, I want to stop just like, who is Jesus? What a simple question. The, the reason why we start with all of this is because it's the most important question. And then the reality is that most people stop here. They're like, I, I raised my hand at that youth camp. I prayed a prayer. I believe, you know, he's God. He rose from the dead. Stop. We stop right there. We're like, yeah, that's great. That's great. Now let me go live my life the way I want to live it. I'm going to go do my thing. I'm just going to have my version of Christianity where I kind of like take a little bit of Jesus and sprinkle it onto my life, right? Like that's the reality. So many of us, it stops right there. We're like, who is Jesus? Yeah, he was a good guy, rose from the dead, probably. I believe in him. I'm set. This is what Jesus says. Verse 23. And he said to all of them, in response to all of this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeit, forfeits himself? Verse 26, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Which begs the flip side of the coin. The second question is who are you following? Who are you following? Because it appears that those who say that Jesus is the Messiah and the Christ and he is exactly who he says he is, Jesus says, if that's the case, then this is what it's gonna take. Followers of Jesus, they deny themselves. They take up their cross which is weird because Jesus hasn't died on a cross yet. The disciples would have been like, why is he talking about a tool of torture? Take up their cross, follow Jesus. Lose your life and you will find it. You see, it's easy to say this is who Jesus is. It's a whole nother thing to make Jesus the authority of our lives. Honestly, so many of us are control freaks. Things have to go the way that we want them to go. And Jesus is saying, no, you got to deny yourself. You have to give up control and give it to me. And each and every day you daily deny yourself. You pick up your cross and you follow me. It's a daily thing. And I, let's, just, let's just be honest. Like it's sometimes hard to live according to this design and deny ourselves. Like I think it's really hard to hate our enemies. 
A perfect example right now is I'm very frustrated with Oklahoma and Texas right now. All right? Is anyone else frustrated? Just slightly. All right? Maybe it's just me. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Bless you. It's hard to love our enemies. But that's an easy one to joke about. Like think about how much we've thought about college and how much people talk about college. College, best four years of your life. Live it up. No regrets. Do whatever you want. Man. Jesus is saying, deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow him. It's literally the opposite of what the world is saying in college. So my question is, who are you following? Are you denying yourself, picking up your cross and following him? And the other thing that we see is verse 26 Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Y'all, this is like one of the scariest passages in the Bible. This belongs next to when Jesus says, hey, there's going to be people that are going to say, Lord, didn't I do all these things in your name? Didn't I... Didn't I give you glory? Didn't I do good things? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. This one goes with that one. Why? If we're ashamed of who Jesus is, when he returns, which I believe he's going to do sooner rather than later, when he returns, if we're ashamed of him, he's going to be ashamed of us. And it ain't going to go well. And so I, I, I actually think, I don't, I don't know where you land here. Some of you are trying to figure out who Jesus is. But I think this might be the majority of us. Like this hits home. Are we ashamed? Are we ashamed of who Jesus is? Are we ashamed of his design for the world that are found in the scriptures? Are we ashamed? And if you're not sure if you're ashamed, here's a few questions that I can pose for you to help you understand if you're ashamed. When is the last time you talked about Jesus? And I ask that, I ask that sincerely. And here, here's my deal. I, I talk all the time about guest family barbecue. Does anyone know what guest family barbecue is? Has anyone eaten there? Woo! Okay. Few people like brisket like me. Okay. Here's the deal. I just got engaged which is praise God, yes, praise God. I'll start with that. But I, I, I really, really like guest barbecue so much that that's where our rehearsal dinner is gonna be. I'm, I, I know, the ladies are like, excuse me? I Just chill, okay? I was in charge of one thing and it was that dinner, okay? So we went, we are going to guest family barbecue and I talk about it, I'm telling you about it, I'm advocating for it, right? Why? Because I love it. And I believe in it. And so it's a, it's a fair question like, when's the last time we talked about Jesus? Or maybe it's, it's are you connected to a local church? That's part of 
of what Jesus, when Jesus says, follow me in the scriptures, he's literally inviting people to follow him. But that was the church. He was inviting them to what existed of the ecclesia, the people that had been called out. Like that was the church. The 12 disciples was all there were. Like, are we connected to the local church the way we are meant to be connected? Or we just go whenever we want, randomly, doesn't really matter. If it's a test, oh, I'll skip this week. Don't even get me started on virtual. I, I, I'm like, are you connected to the local church? Is there something you're ashamed of? And then, and then really the last thing, and really maybe the thing I believe the most in, I believe in the local church, but like this may be the thing that, that is the kicker. Who are you discipling? Like, who are, you, who are you saying, hey, follow me. I'm gonna follow Jesus. Let's tell people about Jesus. Let's learn from the scriptures about Jesus together. Let's wrestle with what we don't like and let's do it together. Let me show you how to follow Jesus. How many people are we discipling? Maybe the reason why we're not discipling is because we're ashamed. Because I'm, I'm dragging people to guest family barbecue. I went like a couple days ago with our faculty advisor. Why? Because I believe in it. And so tonight when we talk, as I'm talking about discipleship, at the end of this, there's going to be an opportunity. Freshmen, if you're a freshman, BSM, the Baptist Student Ministry at Baylor, has a program called Pathway. You can get discipled there. Go sign up, especially if you're a dude. Here are the leaders of it, Okay. Discipleship. But I'm afraid we're ashamed. And I want to stop here. And I want you to know that this seems hard. Like all I've done is talk about Jesus and then what it looks like to follow him. And you're like, man, this... This is a lot of stuff. It's deny myself, pick up my cross, follow him, not be ashamed of him, connect to a local church, disciple. It almost feels like I have to give up my life. Like it's, it feels like too much. Here's the deal. I understand that. The reason why we have to give up our lives is because that's what he did for us. You see, what you and I tend to forget is that we fell short of God's glory. We were separated from God. And Jesus denied himself. I mean this. Philippians 2, he didn't count equality with God, something to be grasped, so he came down into the form of a human. He denied himself for us. He picked up his cross. He shed his blood. He followed the Father so that that gap, as we were separated from sin, could be fixed. So that's why we deny ourselves. That's why we pick up our cross. That's why we follow him. Because that's what he did. 
and we follow him. And so in summary, two very simple questions, same, same coin, two sides. Who is Jesus? And who are you following? Because I'm afraid some of you are following Jesus the way you want to follow Jesus and not the way that Jesus has invited him, invited us to follow him. And I want to close with what this looks like lived out. You see, I've been here for a long enough time. I I went to Baylor. I graduated. I came back. I've been at Vertical for, I think we're starting my sixth year here. And what I see most often is this is our lives. You see, Jesus is one of our priorities, right? We have our dating life, our social life, our extra That's not like being extra. That's like extracurriculars, okay? And then we have our family. Don't forget to call your mom, okay? And then Jesus is over here. School, don't forget to study. There's all these things, right? And Jesus is one of them. Like he's he's one of these things. And and maybe right now dating isn't that important. Let's, Let's move Jesus more towards the top, right? Like we're just trying to take it slow in dating. So maybe we move Jesus up here. Or, or, uh, or, or, or we're like, you know what, extracurriculars, it's, this, this organization is really important to me. So we just kind of, we rearrange our, our priorities, right? We're just constantly rearranging. But then what happens is we're, we're like in this group project at school and everyone's just trashing the professor. They're like, this professor's annoying and explicitives or, explicit, is that a word? It's a word. Thank you. I graduated from here. I promise. You're in this this group project and everyone's trashing the teacher and gossiping and talking about how much they hate them and how awful of a person they are, how awful they teach. You're just complaining, complaining, complaining. And all of a sudden in the back of your head, Jesus starts to kind of try to get into this, this box, this school box. Or maybe even worse, like you start to date and then all of a sudden you're like, Jesus is like, no, wait, I'm, I should be a part of your dating. And we don't, we don't really like, we don't like it when Jesus starts to be a part of our dating because Jesus stays in his Jesus box. It's Sundays and maybe Monday nights at nine or maybe, you know, Thursdays or maybe whenever crew meets or whenever Stumo meets or whenever uh, Chi Alpha meets, you know, like that's, that's our Jesus box. See, Jesus Jesus doesn't like being in a box. You see, Jesus didn't die on a cross to be put in a box. Jesus died to give us life. You see, everything actually should revolve around Jesus. Like, my extra stuff like intramurals, men, is not that important. Jesus is the most important thing. And when I can, I'll play some intramurals. Social life is kind of important, but getting invited to every function or being a part of every organization is not the most important thing. Jesus is the most important thing. He is the main thing. 
He's the only box and everything else fits inside of him. He is the priority. Here's the deal. The word priority was created in the 1400s. And for 500 years, it meant you had a priority. One thing. Who is Jesus? He's Christ, the Messiah. He's my everything. I follow him. I deny myself. One thing, it's a priority. In the 1900s, the definition changed. It became plural. You can have priorities, which is ironic because a priority is one thing. And so many of us, we have Jesus in different boxes when Jesus didn't die to be put inside of a box. He died to give us life and be in control of it and to give us fullness of life as we follow him. And so tonight, I start in the center of campus with the most basic and important two questions that you must answer. Who do you say that he is? And are you following him? Or are you living your own version of Christianity? Let me pray that we be a people who believe in him and follow him. Lord, we come to you humbly, sweating and thankful that, that you would make a way to restore us, that you would have a plan to right wrongs in this world, that you would be a just God who cares for us, who has love for us, who loves us enough to send your one and only son. Jesus, we thank you for your example of denying yourself and picking up the cross for us. Apart from the cross, apart from your blood, we would be nothing. We couldn't be here. And so, Lord, tonight I, I pray that we would have the right priority. As we start the new year, we start a new semester, whether it's a senior or a freshman, I pray that we would get right our priority. The organizations come behind Jesus. The social life come behind Jesus. Even our majors come behind Jesus. Even our families come behind Jesus. Jesus, you are our everything. Everything in our lives revolves around you, comes from you. You are our everything. Jesus, help us to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow you, to not be ashamed of you, to connect to the local church, to disciple, change the world. I pray that over these students tonight. Lord, we give you thanks, and we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.